we might get to it, but we're probably not going to get to it. But with all the crypto apocalypse news, and this actually happens anytime there's a big story, and this actually happened with um, uh, Tesla Boys acquisition of Twitter. A lot of times you'll see shorthand of uh, pending DD when somebody's talking about a deal going through. Pending DD, yeah, no, that doesn't sound familiar at all. So what they're saying is pending due diligence, mm. which makes sense. But anytime I read it, I was thinking like pending Dunkin' Donuts. I, oh, and, and I'm like, does that mean they're... This is why we're friends, that, DD. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Well, no, I don't, I don't, I've never been to, actually, I do think I went to a Dunkin' Donuts in DC once, DD in DC. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't ever think I've actually been to one. And again, their thing, it, their thing is the coffee, not the donuts. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, but, any, but anytime I read, uh, like, cause in this whole, um, FTX finance thing, uh, one of the tweets that keeps going around is that when they were making the offer to take over the exchange was uh, pending DD, and I was like, "Oh, they're they're waiting to get coffee to to do the deal." <laughs> I had I had a I had a, a middle aged man chuckle to myself, and um, yeah, a middle aged man chuckle I assume is in the uh, list of titles that you Shut that up. you diligently hey, keep. You can't you can't hear my key keystrokes. I don't have one of those uh, hipster. Uh, mechanical keyboards like you do. I used to be able you, to you, hear you, you your keyboard. You aged out of that, right? Um, well, I want to come back to your keyboard in a second, but no, with my with my mechanical keyboard, it never really stuck. So there was nothing to age out of. I tried it, and as someone who is, you know, regularly on Zoom calls for like six plus hours a day, that just <laughs> wasn't wasn't going to work. And I I didn't think about that part when I bought it. And and I don't mean this dismissively, but was it kind of like could you just chalk it up as like having bought like a costly Lego set? You know, just kind of like a thing you did for a weekend. Well, not really even that because I didn't <laughs> buy one that required any sort of assembly or anything. You bought a completed Lego set, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like whenever the thing is like you uh, like you go on Wayfair, you go on Amazon or whatever. And they're like, do you want expert assembly? That's like it's like buying the. 6400 piece millennium falcon tie fighter thingy and then it says like do you want somebody to put it together for you and you just order it <laughs> i don't know um, um yeah no i right yeah yeah exactly um just to make up for the offline conversation where you gave me credit for knowing things and now i'm gonna intentionally not know things <laughs> um i feel like i used to be able to hear your keyboard and now I now I can't. Have you have you changed keyboards, or is it just because of your fancy audio setup, or like why can't I hear your keyboard anymore? I think the acoustics of my, having changed apartments mm. has changed a little bit, but also I think I may have. It depends on how long you have not been able to hear them for, because I got a different desk where maybe the, where the boom arm relative to where the keyboard is is different. It's that that thick, foggy San Francisco air dampening. No. The, I, um, keyboard sounds i I live in like the one sunny part of the city so not not even quite yeah that's true the weather is is more pleasant perfect there Mm -hmm. all the time yeah well that that seems that seems like a stretch but Eh, no i mean it's been when uh not to compromise your location but like 
when Marin County was like, remember the heat wave and like your your house was like 115. <laughs> I, Mine was like 81. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do remember that. Yeah. And, and even right now, where it's, uh, I just came from Marin. It's like 40 degrees out or something. It's like it's it's quite cold. It, it's been, been and very I, cold. It's um. My watch says it's like 50, but it feels colder than that. It's been getting down into like the mid 30s, which, you know, for us here in California, yeah. pretty chilly. Yeah. Right now outside, a nice 55. Hmm. So can't complain. Anyway, pending coffee uh, is, was the point of that. Pending, All right. Another, um, another good title. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing. And this actually kind of, we're going to pull forward something that's in the show notes for a later thing. But I, I had given a throwaway joke. This is an opportunity for a story that feels like it should have been told on this show, but um, fairly confident it never was. I was saying that I kind of wanted to change the wireless network name of my home network. And knowing that I have so much smart home stuff, not not even like that much, but like, I think I have. I have like 10 or 15 devices in my house that would be a pain in the ass to to have to reconfigure just because I don't love my SSID. And it was just my thought was that, hey, if you have a whole bunch of smart home stuff, you basically can never change your Wi-Fi name or your WPA password because it would just break everything. Yeah, it's kind of true. Yeah, and I, right, I, I learned that the hard way. Yeah, because like when I... I don't change routers very often anymore, but in the past, like I would always just, my network name was always just a city name. And right now with the ubiquity stuff, I used to have two. I used to have Mountain View and Adelaide, like the city in Australia. And right now, since I switched to the Eero, it now I've gone down to one. I kind of like, don't like the name Adelaide anymore, but it would basically become an entire weekend project to reconfigure every gosh darned echo and Wemo switch and whatever the hell I have in here, where I'm kind of not going to do it. Well, so. and your your Sonos speaker would just have an absolute <laughs> meltdown. Uh, yeah, I just oh, and I got fucking four of those. Like it's just yeah, it's stuff like that where like have, I don't think have, wait, there's ever you have, what you have four Sonos speakers. I have a I have a kitchen Sonos one. I have a Sonos one at my desk. I have a Sonos one in my bedroom, and I have a Move. Uh, I guess I forgot that you had the Sonos One. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I have the let me get on it. Then I have the Bose soundbar that's also an AirPlay speaker. And then the Apple TV. Like, there's just so much stuff that I don't feel like changing. You know. Anyway, but that brought up uh, you. You'd mentioned that uh, you got so there's there's um there are a few archetypal stories in um in writing of like uh like there's the classic love story there's man versus man van man versus machine i think you kind of have the perfect story of man versus sous vide (laughs) yeah i did um yeah so i i got one of those um anovo sous vide units that you know everybody has and um you know you, you can connect it to your phone in a couple of different ways you can connect it just over bluetooth um, or you can connect it over Wi-Fi. And of course, I feel like maybe I'm a little wiser and wouldn't have done this today, but this was like, you know, three, four years ago. And I, I of course, wanted to, to test out the, the Wi-Fi functionality because why wouldn't I want to know what the temperature <laughs> of my Sumine was when I was outside of Bluetooth range? Um, 
And so I'm, you know, going through the setup process and it's, it's just, it's consistently erroring out and not really giving any sort of like feedback or anything as to why. I actually don't even know if I told you this part of the story, which I think it will make it even better. Um, but then, I don't know, through some, through some form of Google searching or something, um, I discovered that it was, it's one of those you know, annoying devices that can only connect to 2.4 gigahertz networks and, and can't connect to a 5 gigahertz network. Mm-hmm. And so if you have um, a setup where your router is just broadcasting a single network name for both network types, which, which most routers do by default now, um, sometimes that can cause devices that can, can only, that can only connect to 2.4 gigahertz, some trouble. And so I, I'm, I'm sure I've told another story where like, I, I've got those, um, outdoor smart plugs that like no longer connect to the cloud, but, but do still work through HomeKit, And those are the same type of device. And so prior to having my current network set up where I can actually temporarily turn off the five gigahertz radio, with my Google Nest Home thing set up where you couldn't do that, I would just take the plug like, you know, towards the the far end of my backyard so that it would only be able to see the 2.4 gigahertz part of the network. And then that's how I would get it to connect. Um, and actually, it, it was that very experience that led me to think, can, well... Can I, can, can I just real quick, that's sure. kind of the smart home equivalent of spelling ice cream so that your child can't hear anyway (laughs) right exactly um so i thought with this sous vide like oh you know maybe it's this is the same issue where i've I've got to get it out of five gigahertz network range and so i mean it's been a few years ago so i guess maybe i don't remember quite all the specifics but i think I, i basically got like you know a long extension cord and like plugged it in you know somewhere outside um and that wasn't working either and, you know, I'd also like to think that maybe I'd be better about this today, but I don't know, maybe not. Like, and I feel like you could probably relate to this too, especially with tech stuff where when you get into a situation like I'm describing right now, you've got to figure it out. You You're can't, too far in. You can't, you can't just, you can't just walk away and be like, well, couldn't figure that out. Like that's, you know, couldn't, cannot be able to sleep that night. Um, and it's so... <laughs> exactly um and so i i think i must have done some like more google searching and you know i know those documentation and all this stuff wasn't great because who's going who's bothering connecting their sous vide via wi-fi but eventually i came across <clears throat> a support article that said oh and you know by the way when you're connecting this thing to wi-fi not only does it need to be a 2.4 gigahertz network, but it also has to be connecting to a network where your SSID has no space or I, or, or any other like special characters too, I'm sure. And my network name at the time was um, Central Space Perk, name of the coffee shop and friends. What's that from? Oh. Uh, <laughs> um. And so I thought, well, ugh, that's annoying, but, you know, no big deal to just, you know, get rid of the space in, in my network name. And so I, I did that. And of course, then the sous vide like instantly connected. So I thought, oh, great. 
and was, you know, very happy. But what I totally didn't give any thought to was that that meant that I would have to, you know, reconnect <laughs> every single one of my Wi-Fi devices. And I mean, fortunately, this was a few years ago where I, I think it was actually maybe not even too long after we moved into this house. So the number of devices was quite a bit less than it is today now that we're a little more settled in. Um, but it was still a um, huge pain in the butt that I, I'm sure I kind of chipped away at over the course of like a couple days. Like I'd, you know, I'd go to use something or whatever and realize it wasn't you know, connected to the network and then go through whatever, you know, annoying setup process you need to go through to, to get it reconnected. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in that when you get to a certain point, which I feel like you and I are in where you've got so many devices connecting to your, your network, you, it almost no circumstance would be worth going through the process of renaming it or changing your password so that you'd have to reconnect all that stuff. Well, well, let's, let's, let's take a step back and evaluate kind of the, the moral failings or integrity issues here. So is the network name to this day no space? Correct. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, there's so, no, there was well, no so, way I was going to change it back. Well, so I, but I, I guess I really want to make clear here is that a thing you, okay. So, here, so taking another step back, there is no need because I have the same, I think I have the same exact, uh, uh, Ananova, Anova, whatever, sous vide, water circulator, whatever, the thing that cooks steak properly. I have one of those. There's no need to even connect it with Bluetooth. Like, just adjust the dial. It doesn't, it, this, this, this does not need to be a smart device at all. Oh, yeah. I haven't used the Bluetooth or Wi Fi functionality on it in forever. Cause you're right. You're right. It's way easier just to it's adjust a thing. it you, on just, the dial. Just, yeah. You put it to 128.5 and you make your great steak and you're done. Mm-hmm. And then in my case, you haven't used it for a year and a half. Well, that that would say that's the other thing too, is I actually, not only do I not use the Bluetooth or Wi-Fi functionality all that much, I actually don't use the sous vide all that much in general. So well, if you're trying to like, it's, it's very good at what it does. Like, and again, you, you go, you go to the Whole Foods, you, you supercharge up your car and then you go, you buy some New York strip steaks and you like, it, it's very good. And you don't have to just have like, again, the classic uses, you just make yourself like a, a, a very decadent steak and fries dinner. And then you put some leafy greens on the plate to make yourself feel better. But, or you can just like do like a steak, uh, a strip steak salad. But anyway, but my point is that I feel like that should actually be kind of like a, uh, like a scarlet letter or like, <laughs> like a really shameful thing, which is that a $130 unnecessary smart home accessory cost you to waste a weekend and to this day caused you to compromise on the network name you actually wanted. That's uh, yeah. That, I, I feel that like that's actually part, kind of <laughs> that part. That, that latter part doesn't doesn't really bother me all that much. Oh. I feel like again that's that's where the man versus machine thing comes into, which which is that yeah, it's it's I don't know, like it's again like it's like if a, a, a kid was like no, we're we're like I don't know, like I'm deciding to be a vegetarian, we're never gonna have meat in this house again, and you don't ever get to eat, have steak again. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a fun story, and uh, yeah, I, I'm fairly I'm ninety two percent certain it never. Um, was told on the show before um yeah maybe not maybe i was too too ashamed um and i you know i would definitely not go through a process like that now given over the last 12 months like all the um networking 
issues I've had, you know, first with like the gigabit service from Comcast and then like the multiple router changes I've had, like it's been kind of a up and down, um, networking year. Um, I, I actually, I, I don't think I told you this story either. This just happened yesterday, the day before, um, I noticed, um, my internet speed here in the office was a little slow. And so I did a, you know, a speed test and I was getting exactly, um, a hundred, is it mega, mega bits, 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 eight bits in a byte, right? A <clears throat> uh, hundred megabits up and down. Um, and I thought, uh Oh, cause I've, 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 I've run into this problem before where, so, you know, I've, I, I wired the house with ethernet and don't ask me all the technical details here, but essentially like if, you know, one of there's like eight little mini wires inside of a, you know, a, a um, a cat six cable. And like, if one of those isn't quite connected to properly, then you end up getting, you know, hundred megabit speed instead of like gigabit speed or whatever cat six is capable of. Um, and, you know, as I was crimping my own cables and stuff, like I, I had that happen, you know, a hand, a handful of times until I got it right. Uh, and so I thought, oh, God, did like something happen to like <laughs> the cable somewhere in the run? Like, am I going to have to go back under the house? Like, what's going on here? Um, but it just it just turns out that I, I think I had been um, cleaning the desk here recently and, and slightly moved the the router that's in here. And I think I jostled the um, cable out of the you know connector a little bit because i just turned it you know un unplugged it plugged the ethernet cable back in and then it was fine hmm. interesting all right um for the rest of the show i think you're actually driving uh oh yeah what me 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 driving the show is never good well i don't i don't think we have a lot of follow-up here Okay, actually, I'm fine. All right, I'll, I'll do it. I I wasn't in, I wasn't invested in this, so I don't actually know if I care or not. But you were vaguely excited about or cautiously intrigued about this level lock thing, which I don't even know if it's a thing that people are excited about, other than the fact that it's highly featured on Apple's website. I don't even know, but it's a, it's a smart lock that's supposed to be a smart lock, but. There's some video that there's a guy, um, and I've heard people who like him for like a period called the lock. He's got 4 million subscribers, uh, called the lock picking lawyer, but apparently he, uh, tested this out and it's extremely easy to pick and it is lacking a lot of very, very basic security features that a deadbolt should have. I don't know. People are citing it because it's a $330 accessory and it should do better than this. And I mean, I, I'm, I don't really care, but I guess for people who thought this was kind of the, the first good, elegant smart lock, I mean, what, what's the, the caveat emptor or whatever the um, Latin phrase is. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the original level lock has been pretty popular, you know, mostly because it's, I think it's the really the only one of its type where it's a it's a smart lock that that literally it just looks like a regular deadbolt. Um 
it's not some big dongle thing, you know, sticking to your door like my August smart lock is. Um, and then, you know, this new version, which is what we talked about last week or the week before, added, um, you know, home key support. Um, they've also um, added or are in the process of adding matter support, both to the new lock and the original lock. So people were happy about that. Um, so, I mean, it, it you know, as, as I was saying, like, it, it seemed like it was pretty close to being kind of the perfect smart lock, although, you know, the the home key part of it, like we discussed previously, I'm a little lukewarm on. But, um, yeah, sounds like I, not that it was really ever on the, on the table to buy this thing, but, like, I'm, I'm, now I'm <laughs> kind of glad I, glad I didn't, because if I, if I had and then come across a story like this, I, would not be feeling great about my purchase. Yeah. The, the last thing I will point to in the nine to five Mac article is apparently the, um, uh, response that, that a PR person from level sent, uh, them was, uh, that they cited that 38% of homes are burgled by unforced entry, meaning people who have entered the door through an unlocked door. So they're, they're they're saying that the fact that <clears throat> it locks at all is like its saving grace, which is kind of a weird weird thing to cite. Well, then um, they also say level products help minimize home break in risks with auto lock settings at your control, a feature that no analog lock can match. No which, shit. Which, which which in no way <laughs> responds to what the issue is here. Yeah, it's like saying this car is not a horse. Like, that's not <laughs> a thing. Yeah. So, anyway. um, yeah, I mean, that that's that's tough. 330 bucks to have a lock that you probably wouldn't feel super great about from, like, a security standpoint. Like, that really feel like that kind of undermines the whole purpose of it. Yeah. Again, smart home stuff is still... Bad. Actually, no, I can't even... I, Yes, but what I was gonna say is it's still in its early days. But actually, here's one thing, and this this is not to go into like a sad mortality thing. But actually, no, it's not. There's so many things that I think are still fairly new and aren't at all. Uh, Smart home has been around for like over a decade, and it still sucks. And most of it sucks, and it's just everything's bad all the time. Well, it's it's um, still it's still early from like an adoption standpoint but i but i see what you're saying <laughs> like literally how long does it how long is it going to be is it does it have to be a 25 year old con, uh, consumer technology segment like, well, if, is, it, if it doesn't get better it, it should it should never <laughs> mature past the point that it is because i i would recommend people <laughs> don't uh don't try it well actually in that case so i, I will um defer to you on this so what it what's there were a couple other um matter related things over the past couple of days and i've as someone who just kind of is i i have my hue lights and that's in like i have a couple of smart speakers that's kind of the gist of my smart home stuff these days so i haven't actually paid attention to matter at all well so as a quick recap to the timeline here um i think it was sometime about a month ago maybe a little over a month ago in early october um it was announced that you know, Matter 1.0 had been finalized, kind of pencils down, and that there would be um, this kind of launch event on November 3rd. 
um, that would provide a little more detail about you know what exactly is launching, what products are going to be available, and when. And you know some, well, actually a, a lot of news kind of you know came out in between that announcement of the event and then the event that took place last week. So there wasn't really like a ton of new information um, at the at the actual launch event, but um, you know there were a few interesting things. So you know, I guess in right in your wheelhouse. So, you know, Philips Hue was, was one of the, um, um, well, I guess it's, it signifies like the company, right. Um, but they, they came out and said that their matter update is I think available to, to download in beta form right now. Although that, that sounds like a, sounds like a bad idea. Um, and, but then we'll be, available you know in its final form um early next year um as a quick aside there what i'm really like my kind of the one thing i would like to get out of matter is um you remember my funky hue setup where because of the absurd number of lights i have i have to have two of the bridges and the mm-hmm. um, Amazon voice skill only supports one bridge. And so the way I have to trick that is I actually have the bridges connected to this Hubitat hub device mm-hmm. that has its own Amazon skill that then makes all of the lights from both bridges available to um, the Amazon voice assistant. And that that actually has worked remarkably well. I still actually can't believe how reliable that whole setup has been. But it's a teeny bit slow. Um, and, and the way that I can tell that is that if I tell the Apple voice assistant to turn on one of my lights, because I, I have my Hue stuff you know, connected to HomeKit too, it is quite a bit faster. Um, and so I am hoping that once the hue matter update comes out i might be able to um just point both bridges to the amazon voice assistant through matter and then take out that you know hub that i have in between Uh, because that's actually the other bit of news that came out of the matter day event is that um amazon announced their initial plans which um it's going to be kind of, you know, incremental. It's it's something like um a specific set of their devices at first are going to be um updated to be matter controllers. And then I I think it's something like they're only going to support um like Android for a little while and then add iOS functionality a little bit after. So it's all going to be it's all going to be a little I think start and stop and and take a little bit of time to to you know fully kind of ramp ramp up. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this this Amazon stuff and we'll we'll have this link to the Verge um article in the notes um but um yeah, the Amazon stuff is launching actually this month but only for Android phones. And support for iOS is coming early next year. 
so yeah, in in theory, what I'm excited about is having the Hue bridges updated to Matter, having Amazon support Matter on iOS, and then I I think that'll mean that I can have like a more native connection between those two things, but I don't know. We'll see. And that's kind of, that's, that's been my main takeaway. Um, even now being almost like a week out from that event is, um, (laughs) there's still a lot of ambiguity as to exactly what matters going to enable and kind of what limitations and catches there are going to be. Well, um, can you give me a one sentence? Because I, I guess that's my thing is I don't actually know. Matter and thread are are inherently linked, but one can exist without the other. But I, I don't understand what matter is supposed to do. Is it supposed to obviate the need for hub anchor devices? But I, do, I don't get what use, how this makes smart home stuff simpler. Well, so, so th- thread enables smart home devices to talk to one another directly like without the use of of any sort of like hub you still have to have a matter controller like an apple tv or you know a bunch of the the echo devices now and like your eero etc like anything that's got like a thread radio like that can act as as almost like i guess kind of like a middleware kind of where it's facilitating this communication between your smart home devices and that, and that thread connection is, you know, kind of a, a wireless protocol that that's specifically meant for that type of communication in a way that Wi-Fi isn't really. Um, so there's that part of it, but then there's also the part of it where you can have devices, you know, like the home, like you, like your iPhone through the home um, app on iOS, um, or through, you know, the Amazon echo, um, or I guess it's the Amazon wake word app. Um, you can have software like that act as a matter controller. So you can have, you know, that app. So like, we'll talk about like the home app, for example, like right now it can only see HomeKit enabled devices, but I guess actually technically now with iOS 16.1, it can also see any devices that are connected through the matter standard. And so like what I'm curious about, like in my use case is once the Hue bridges have been updated and once the Amazon app on iOS has been updated, like once all that stuff's been updated to support matter, like, does that mean that I no longer need the Philips Hue skill, which is the which is the limiting part of my setup? Because the skill is what only supports you know one bridge. Like, do I like do you just scrap the whole skill thing and instead just pull up the Matter page of the Amazon app or whatever that's going to look like and say, hey, there's those Hue bridges. You know, they're they're connected via Matter now, so. You should be able to see all the lights that are on it. Like, you know, I don't think so. I, yeah, it's all probably wishful <laughs> thinking, but that, that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's sort of like everything we've so guess, heard about matters theoretical, and we still, you know, we haven't really seen it in action yet. Again, I'm not, I'm not really hearing any 
benefits. Or I'm not, I'm not hearing, this is kind of like the case for crypto. Like I'm not hearing any use cases where this actually is better than the existing thing or what problems it's actually solving. Well, I, th- I think if you're, you know, in the Amazon ecosystem, like like I am with all the, you know, Sonos speakers we have through the house, I, I do think that if matter essentially replaces the need to use the Amazon skill system that they have, that that would be nice because the the whole like downloading of skills and setting those up is not not the greatest process. Okay. Time will tell. Mhm. All right. Um so I this week got the new 2022 version of the Apple TV 4K. And it's just like the old one. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. It's fine. I don't know. I, I don't know what I was expecting. Like again, it, it it solves my initial issue, which I've talked about on the show, which is like back when in the old days when the Apple TV 4K came out and uh, was the whole thing. The future of TV is apps. Like there was, they used to sell a 32 gig and a 64 gig version, and nobody understood why you would ever buy one of the other ones because Apple was sort of saying, "Hey, this is a gaming platform now, and you can play Crossy Road or whatever," and nobody ever ended up doing that. So I bought the 32 gig version, but even in my limited use of this, like I'm, I'm not a heavy, like I don't have that many apps on it. Um, I somehow ran out of space on it, and I was kind of bummed that a lot of times I was not getting that many, like I was not getting a, like a variety of the aerial screensavers, which are which are nice. It would be like when you leave your TV on, um, and I was only, it was like usually only cycling through three of them. But the nice thing was that it would show me that view of downtown LA and it had uh the Staple Center before it got renamed the crypto.com arena so that was a nice easter egg. But I was like, okay, I have the one and I think the one that I had like it was it was the first 4K Apple TV so I think it had an A8 processor maybe. Like we have the same one, right? I I think so. Yeah. I was like cuz you wouldn't cuz like the the subsequent ones where I think maybe they added an A11 or an A10 to it. Like that was a non-upgrade, so I, I doubt you would have rebought it. But yeah, like I mean, I was like, okay, I I would like one that has more space, and if it happens to be faster or there's more headroom for future generations or software updates, great. And yeah, I mean, I got it. It was, and and it's fine. I have a couple of uh, just notes about the setup, but other than that, there's not much to report here. So the one interesting thing about it is that it's much smaller. Or like it, it's it's thinner. Not that it really matters, but it's thinner and much lighter than the old one because I guess the processor is just more heat efficient, where it doesn't need a fan anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean it's nice. So I, I actually have mine mounted to the back of the LG OLED TV because um, I just don't want the cable clutter. Not like I, I like on my TV. Like I have no like I don't have any game consoles. I no longer have a TiVo. Like. I don't have anything that plugs into my TV other than the Apple TV. So it is kind of nice to not have any boxes like on the media console table thingy. So that's kind of nice. Um, but like really like, yeah, it's fine. Like it, it's a little bit snappier, but I wouldn't say the old one was slow. So I don't know. It's fine. Like I would, I would say if people have the old one, like, maybe upgrade like i i think i am seeing a greater variety of the screensavers but like it's 
don't know. It's fine. The only th- like setup point that I did want to mention is that do you know if Apple TV is back up to iCloud? Like, I guess, like, what do you, what do you think this, the um, backup and restore process is if you need to replace an Apple TV? Oh gosh, it's been it's been so long since I've set one up. Um, I, I I saw I saw a headline on Six Colors today actually, where I think Jason Snell did a write up on this. I I didn't read. Oh, did through. I get scooped? No, I I didn't read through all of it, so I, I don't know if if you did or not. Um, I I I assume that when you log in with your Apple ID, it, it must give you some option to say like. They, do, you, do you want all the same apps that you had before? It, it must nope. do that. No? Nope. Well, so, so a few things. So you go, I'll, I'll DM you a link to the six colors thing, but that's a, that's a pretty good headline, Jason. Uh, the Apple TV's upgrade experience needs an upgrade. So a few things with this. So the, uh, to answer your question, there is not a backup experience or any type of thing like that. I looked. I Googled a lot. There isn't. Um, there is a feature, I think, called one home screen that uh is like let's say you have a bedroom apple tv and a living room apple tv and like when you download a new app like it will then like mirror that but yeah there is no backup or transfer process that i can find so when i did this i literally (laughs) i set my iphone in front of the tv and i took a video and I just scrolled around my home screen and like showed the folders. And I was like, oh, well, in case it doesn't have any type of way of getting all the stuff back, I just want to know how the old one was because you obviously can't have both set up at the same time like you're transferring phones. So, yeah, I, I turned on the one home screen thing. And then when I turned on, booted up the new one and signed into everything manually, it did restore the apps and the layout was the same. You still had to log in to absolutely everything. And it didn't save any of your settings, so I manually had to train the IR commands for my soundbar, and I had to go like reset up all of that stuff. But it, I didn't have to redownload the apps. I guess that's something. <laughs> but it's not, it's not, it's not great. But also, I mean, I can understand from Apple's perspective, like it's, this is not a box many people are churning through frequently, and I guess maybe. Like ever since TVOS is a thing, like unless you have like a defective unit, you're not ever really like maybe they're they're cognizant of the fact that oh yeah we're not really making anything that's worth upgrading to, so therefore nobody has a need for this. But yeah, it's 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 it leaves a lot to be desired, and also it's not even just that; it's just the the, the ambiguity of it. Like there's no thing that like when you turn it on that says like hey do you have an old Apple TV? Like it's just kind of like hey let's let's start from scratch. Yeah, it's 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 not great. Hmm. Well, um, kind of, I can't say I'm shocked given that, you know, even with like the iPhone, which is a their most popular product and, and a product that people, you know, do upgrade with some regularity, even even more casual folks. I mean, that upgrade process has, has come a you know, heck of a long way, but, you know, is still not perfect. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I'd recommend people well, get it. Like it, it's it's nice. The Apple the Apple TV. Ugh, I mean, again, Apple Apple. We probably can talk about this week, but like Apple is um, becoming a bad company or a company that forgets the fact that they make 
stuff that costs more than other stuff and therefore people expect more from it. I feel like they're losing that message uh, in, in chasing just ancillary revenue that they don't need. But the Apple TV is better than like, I will never ever own a Roku because I just religiously and just morally believe that it's, it's, it's bad because I don't like their business model. I don't like that. There's no way to not have it just crapped up with a ton and ton of ads. So yeah, like that's just never going to work for me. So I do appreciate that the Apple TV is a fairly uncompromised product. Like there was a big discussion on upgrade this week, or and I think the Six Colors podcast about the way the Apple TV app recommends stuff. But guess what? I don't ever use the Apple TV app, so it doesn't even matter. I don't know. Like it's it's a nice streaming box. And the one thing that I think we maybe talked about when it got announced is that it took a price drop for like the first time ever. So it's now one twenty nine or one forty nine. And I think that's getting closer to the range that people would pay. Like before, when I would have to tell somebody, like, they're like, oh, I want a streaming box. Should I just buy this Amazon Fire Stick that Amazon keeps telling me to buy for $35? And be like, no, the Apple TV is kind of nice. But then then they Google it and they're like $179. And then they would be like, well, last time I'm asking you for advice. Like, it's just the Apple TV is better, but like the pricing is getting closer to reality. Like, if they somehow found a way to make the like the one that they stripped down and doesn't have ethernet down to 99 like i feel like that would have been a really notable thing but i also get that it now has this overpowered processor in it and like that maybe is more challenging to hit that price point but anyway the apple tv's nice this one's nice the setup process is not great but it's fine it, I just kind of thought of this. There's a lot of similarities, I think, between the Apple TV and the the iPad. And I think I maybe even like mm. my specific sort of setup is is a good example of what I mean. Where you know I've got the 2018 iPad Pro, and I've got you know the Apple TV 4K from I don't I don't even remember what year that was, um, and you know. Both both devices were ridiculously fast when they were launched, you know, compared to what their software could do. And I feel like it's it's kind of the same story now, four years later with the iPad and probably something similar with the Apple TV. Like there there's never one moment with the Apple TV or with my iPad where I feel like it, they're slow in any way um and you know the, you are right that the apple tv stuff is is um is better than basically anything else out there like i notice that every time i go to you know the roku tv here like everything is just slower on that tv than it is on the on the apple tv um but you know the the Apple TV itself, and going from one generation of that to the next, like there just there just isn't anything that device is doing. I mean, outside of playing games, I guess that would require you know any additional power compared to the one from you know years ago. Yeah, the iPad is lacking for other reasons, but yeah, but the but the overpowered story because like what was the was it the iPad Pro, like the very, very first iPad Pro, like the A12X or something? Like it just had 
so much extra power that yeah it was just it was kind of good for a while yeah that that's that's the one i have yeah and it, it's still you know it's totally totally fine um yeah i was kind of hoping that when the reviews came out or when, once you talked about it there was going to be something about this this new one that that wasn't maybe immediately obvious from the announcement that would make it a worthwhile upgrade from you know people who have a previous apple tv 4k model but i mean every everything i've read has said that you know if you're looking for a new streaming box or if you still have like the pre 4k version of the apple tv like yeah this is totally you know a worthwhile upgrade especially with the lower price now but that if you have any previous version of the apple tv 4k it's there's just not there's not really anything there to to justify the upgrade on that note to any listeners my old apple tv is available for the price of a bottle of spirit works gin <laughs> um man, i have i have this pile i have i have this corner of my apartment of crap that i need to put on ebay like do you remember back in like i think it was like 1999 where like ebay store like retail stores existed where you just bring a pile of your stuff and they would sell it for you yep i wonder if that's still a thing because i i i have a lot of stuff that i don't have the motivation to sell but is not trash i don't know yeah see i I I have a couple things I need to sell, but I have I have a lot of just e waste like stuff I just need to throw away. Um, we could take it to the that thing next to uh, the Tesla Desmond Tent Repair Center. I know it's not even like it's that far out of the way. Um, and I've gone there before, and they're very nice and everything. But it's just it's just another it's another trip. So I've just got up this pile <laughs> pile of of stuff that I need to take there and and just haven't. You gotta you gotta keep your like just like your your uh, your body and your mind. You gotta keep a gotta keep the house clean. I I know because because it's, it's a slippery slope. Well, eventually it's, it's, you'll just, you, eventually you'll end up with three sheds. Well, that's that's the thing is it's not it's not the house that's you cluttered with all sheds. this. We do, and and part of the reason is because that, that I mean that's where all the crap goes. <laughs> that's where all that e waste is is in is in the shed. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that needs to be cleaned out. All right. Anyway, Apple TV 5K or uh, or 4K. That it, it it's nice. You should get one. Uh, I yeah, yeah, I it's it is just, somewhat <sighs> tempting to to move the one that's that's connected to the OLED to the to the Roku and then you know connect a new one to the OLED. But even though the Roku stuff is a little bit slower, like I don't know, it's just it's there's the something ads. the ads. Yeah, it's really, they're not that bad. That's uh, how they get you. Um, actually, on that note, can you, uh, this didn't actually make it into the thing. But, so, oh, I actually, no, I do have more more uh, stuff about the Apple TV. So when I was setting it up, let me, go, let me go to my iCloud personal photo library. So I sent a pic, I put a picture of this in the show notes. Do not upload this to Imager. But, um... I was, I was I was just checking like, hey, which apps preserved my login? And oddly, HBO Max did, even though I canceled my subscription. Um, and then it was telling me to watch a thing called Fixer Upper the Castle. One, you didn't tell me about this, but what is this? It, it's actually it, it's actually quite good. I I, I didn't um, see. Of course, you'd say that. I didn't see your reply to this. Otherwise, I, I would have sent a reply in the thing the, but, the thing um, about david zaslov 
Which one? The other one? No, no, no. About about the Fixer Upper Castle show. I don't think I don't think you replied to it. No, that that's what I'm saying. I I did I didn't see this until just now. Otherwise, oh, I, gotcha. I would, have, yeah. would have replied to it. Um Yeah, we've the we've been watching this. It's 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 fun. Yeah, there's there's this um there's this like castle that got built by this this rich person in Waco like back in the early 1900s and um it's been I, I think basically totally empty for like a really long time and had gotten pretty run down and Chip and Jojo bought it cuz why not? Um, <laughs> cuz they're rich and they're bored. <laughs> um and it's 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 a little different because it's they're they're short, so the the episodes are only, um, well they're you know they're a half hour I guess on network TV, so they're you so know, wait 20. so is is this on HGTV proper? I I couldn't even tell you. I'm not sure, um, but it says so yeah each episode's like twenty something minutes on um streaming, but but yeah you're right the the, the interesting thing is that it it's and I actually didn't know this until you know i guess it was the the most recent earnings call of discovery warner bros or whatever um where fixer this fixer upper castle show has been kind of one of the initial test cases for putting you know discovery content into um the hbo app and it's it's evidently it's been like super successful Um, uh, on the, you know, how Google tells you suggested questions. People also asked, there's how much did Chip and Jojo pay for the castle? Do Chip and Joanna still own the castle? Where is the fixer upper castle? Did they sell their farmhouse? I don't know if they did. They have not sold their home and have no plans to do so as of June, 2022. Apparently the castle costs $425,000, which would buy you an on fire garbage can in the Bay area. That's, so. that's all they spent on it. Wow. That's great. They, or, don't, well, they, no, no, they says, don't really, they don't talk about cost at well, all in the show. What they say, so what this article says is according to the Waco Herald Tribune, uh, the paper of record, <laughs> it's my editorializing. I'm sorry. That's, I'm not being nice to Texas. Um, the castle stands at 3300 Austin Avenue in Waco and was listed for $425,000 before Chip and Joanna bought it in 2019, though the price they paid for it has not been disclosed. I assume... Not to make it sound sketchy, but that Joanna has like five different shell companies. Like I don't, I don't think she's going there saying I want to buy this because nobody's going to want to deal with them at a reasonable price, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's. Um, if you're looking for a, you know, a, a light watch that's on the shorter side, it's, it, it's a good one. Wait, what is this? Why was homework pulled from Magnolia? Oh, there was a, a controversy. Who who are these people? Oh, I yeah. Andy I, and Candace Meredith. Who who's Candace Meredith? I I don't know. Homework originally premiered on Discovery Plus iteration of Magnolia Network in July 2021. Blah blah blah. The network pulled it based uh, amid allegations of shoddy work, expanding budgets and timelines, and a lack of communication from Andy and Candace. Hmm. Interesting. Oh yeah, I guess yeah, I, I do. I do vaguely remember that. I I'm, I am very insulated from a, the HGTV cinematic universe of. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice. 
Um, I know all the ins ins and outs of the Apple world, but I do not know about why people are mad at Chip and JoJo now. um, Are people people are mad at Chip and JoJo? I feel like hmm, uh, people like to hate successful people. True. I, I I still think they're great. Again, my only knock, my only prejudice against Joanna is that she likes to frame nothing, and I feel like that's lazy. You can't just frame empty paint on a wall. That's that's not. <laughs> as the photographer in me resents that because that 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 equates actual art and and captured inspiration that could be on the wall. And you're just saying, hey, this this coat of magnolia paint from their brand collaboration with Sherwin Williams or whatever is blah. <laughs> anyway, I will, if I'm bored this weekend, I will watch one 30 minute episode of the castle and I will probably not enjoy it. We'll see. I, I've kind of, I've kind of, I kind of grew out of a uh, fixer up, even though it's, it's nice. Turn off your brain TV. Um, I guess to kind of bring it back to the T word stuff. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. So Warner, Warner Bros. Discovery. That really is the their combined name now. Um, is, it, is, it, is that oh, that's the WBD thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they um, had previously announced that you know they were going to um, combine the Discovery Plus and HBO Max services into a single app, and that that was going to be sometime in the summer of next year. But that's actually going to be arriving earlier now. It's going to be in the spring of next year, at least here in the U.S. So. Very, very, in, very interested to see what that looks like. I'm, I'm open to the idea because, you know, as a household that where I, it's, I'd say HBO Max and Discovery Plus are probably our two most used streaming services. And the, the HBO Max app is quite a bit better. Like the Discovery Plus app is is it's really not great especially for organizing your shows and um like being being notified or having any sort of visibility like into when new episodes are out like the discovery plus app doesn't really do any of that um like even just little things like you can have a you know a list of the shows that you that you basically follow, but it's it's not organized in any way in the Discovery Plus app. Like it's not alphabetical. It's not there's like no discernible order to it. Um, whereas the HBO Max app's pretty decent, so I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that if they bring in the Discovery stuff, that'll help organize it a bit. <sighs> Yeah, I, I kind of feel like David Zaslav is just so horny for the idea of destroying HBO in favor of the cheapest, most profitable TV. I'm I'm really pessimistic and nervous about the future direction of it. Yeah, I think like I, I, I guess like right I, I guess do you do you do you care that HBO isn't going to be what HBO used to be? Oh yeah, I mean de- definitely. Definitely. I mean, I'm not, I guess, well, I mean, I'm somewhat concerned. I'm less concerned than I would have been a few years ago just because there are other people doing the HBO thing. Yeah. There are other people doing the HBO thing now. So I feel like that is a void that will be 
well, is already basically in the process of being filled. I still, I mean, you see, you seem like you're part of a big euphoria household, but um, no, but I like, I feel like there's, that's kind of true, but like, there's just some like cultural touchstone shows. Like, like I know you're still not on the succession bandwagon, but like, that's a, that's really fucking great TV show. And like this is stuff that like I don't think everybody else is doing. Like Netflix is kind of going undergoing their whole thing about figuring out what they're trying to do. They're still like in the Samsung phase of life where they're just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, and they keep doing that specifically with movies. I don't think Apple TV, even though they keep trying to like I don't I don't know who Apple is paying to keep planting all these stories that hey Apple TV Plus is the new HBO. No, it's not. But like they've never they haven't made like any. Not not that gritty is a requirement, but like they haven't made any like hour long dramas that are quite that. Like I know I'm never gonna watch For All Mankind, but like the morning show ain't it. And I don't I'm guessing For All Mankind isn't either. Like, would you say that Apple TV Plus has had a HBO style drama that is successful or on that level? Well, I, I, I actually would put For All Mankind kind of up there. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think quality-wise, Apple TV Plus is, is right there, like from a production, you know, perspective. I mean, I mean, I mean from a story perspective. Um, well, I mean... I guess, a lot of I, hesitating. I, I guess well, I guess the thing with H, HBO though is like ha, like have they have they been that in a long time? Like doesn't I, that kind of predate some of the merger stuff? I think they have. Like I mean Succession is is an well, unqualified sure, right? hit. Right. Uh The White Lotus, which is a show I kind of liked, kind of hated, but I think I hate watched it towards the end. That's been a big one euphoria which is absolutely not for me but that has been a show that people have really really liked and i don't know if westworld was that popular but i know that just got canceled yeah, just but got like canceled, be- yeah. well and because david love doesn't, doesn't like spending money well but i guess um, i guess the the viewership numbers to that though had really kind of fallen off the cliff i mean i maybe i'm the problem right because i I watched. Are you excited about that show for the first two seasons? And I you watched kind of stopped caring? the first two seasons and got halfway through the third and stopped, which sounds yeah. like is what a lot of people watching that show did. Yeah. Anyway, last thing on the um, Apple TV setup thing is when I was going back. So the the Disney apps did not preserve my login, and I just found this kind of kind of funny slash oddly corporate and sad so for some reason it was forcing me to replace my hulu oh, password there, well the yeah, well, hold on but hold on but but, yeah. but, but so you you will circle back to it for what you can say in a second the part that bugs me or that that makes me think is like this is this is stupid which is uh please visit hulu.com slash account slash login to replace the password i don't know why there was no security breach my password is strong uh to what does it say to access multiple services across the Walt Disney family of companies. Who chose that? Do you, like, do you think of the Walt Disney family of companies? No, it's Disney. And I think with Hulu, aren't you trying to distance yourself from people thinking it's Disney? The, 
Yeah, no, don't call it the Walt Family Disney Company. It's like, that's, no, no. Yeah, that, that is, that's a weird phrase. And also, like, I, I feel like I cleaned this up at some point in time, but like back in the old days, I used to have a login for ESPN and then a login for Hulu. And then when Disney Plus became a thing, I logged in for Disney Plus. And I feel like at some point in time, it made me consolidate them maybe no but i also I, still I, don't know as somebody so i, I actually because my um introductory rate on disney plus just your, your you founders know, club my founders what? club just just you know expired um for th- three years man um <laughs> yeah and i and they're one of one of the credit cards i have has this like disney bundle offer thing where i basically get like I think it's like half off of it or something. Um, so I, I signed up for the the bundle. So I, you know, signed up for like ESPN plus and um, Hulu for the first time. And they, they, they're still very much separate logins. Although I think maybe with either ESPN or Hulu, it maybe it had you use the same. I actually, maybe with ESPN plus, I think it actually does just have you use your Disney plus plus credentials but then with hulu it is a different like you you take like an existing hulu account or you create a new hulu account and then you like link it to your bundle um i don't know it it is a little it is weird that there's not more of like a universal login story there yeah pretty weird um no but the the thing that i was going to say was that um this replace your password screen that you're sharing. Like, I'm, I'm kind of glad that you've showed me because I thought like something was wrong with my Disney plus account because I, I feel like every time I log into a new device, it has me change my password, <laughs> which is makes it, like, it makes you think they got hacked, which is weird, but, but, but it, it's happened to me quite a few times over the years that I've had Disney plus, like you know, when we got like that new Roku TV or like if I, you know, I, I've logged into my iPad for the first time or something like it, it like almost always has me replace my password. And then, and then the nice thing it does is it doesn't sign you out of all of the other like you're, devices yeah. you're logged into. So at least there's that. Um, yeah, it it is, it is weird that there's not just a universal like, why doesn't Disney just have basically have its own like single sign on service that just logs you into like, well, the Walt Disney family of companies? Fuck. <laughs> why doesn't the, why doesn't this connect to my FastPass for my Genie Plus to for my my Mickey Concierge or whatever? Oh, you're you're <sighs> not no, you're not even thinking about that, right? Do you want it to connect to your uh, Magic Band Plus? Look 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 that does, up. After does the that show. does that does that integrate with Apple Fitness? Uh, not yet, but maybe it should. Does does it does it help me bet illegally on gambling? <sighs> not not here in California, no. Oh man, well, we're not gonna talk about that, but uh, makes me excited. All right. Um. Okay, let's. I kind of we'll we'll put this towards the end. I kind of don't really feel like about getting mad about um Apple stuff this week, so we're gonna pull forward something. You put a link in the show notes to the new Breville Sage, if you're in the United Kingdom, the Barista Express Impress. Mm-hmm. So you put this in the show notes, and then I was 
insanely intrigued, but um, I had a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts about this. As somebody who has gone further down the home espresso rabbit hole than you, and your restraint there is probably wise, <laughs> but you peer pressured me into getting the Breville Barista Express. Was this a was this before the pandemic or pretty early into it? Well, we had bought it um, right before the pandemic because it was a Christmas present, twenty nineteen, and then I th- I think you bought it in the very the very early days of COVID, like so early that I think you beat the like the rush that there was on them. So I don't think you had any trouble buying one, did you? But then they did become kind of hard no, to but find I, there but- for a while. No, but I didn't get as good of a price as you. Well, apparently it was a gift to you, but you had maybe been keeping an eye on the price. Oh, well, no, it it was a, it was the lady friend and I just kind of, we don't really buy, you know, gifts for each other. And instead we'll just, you know, buy something fun that we both kind of want. And so, um, yeah, we got some, it might, it might've been like a black Friday deal or something. We, we got some, some good deal on it. Eventually, I remember I got a good deal on it because, like, I bought it at regular price, but then it went on sale like two well, weeks later. Didn't and you, and, you? Did you? Well, tri- the, the, you yes. tricked Bed Bath and Beyond into. I didn't trick anybody into anything. How? <laughs> God damn it! No. So I stop it. Don't make me have to be the bad person. Um, I am a. Uh, I sorry. I was going to say I am a loyal member. I used to be a loyal member of uh, Bed Bath and Beyond Beyond Plus because fucking everything's called Plus. So it's a thing where you can pay $30 a year and you get just kind of this perennial 20% off coupon that is not supposed to work on Breville products, but somehow does. But I bought it when the Barista Express was just like its regular ass $800 price. And then like two weeks after I bought it, it was, it, it went on sale because apparently like it goes on sale a lot. And then you were like, well, just, just call them and see if they'll do a price adjustment. And then they did. And they somehow like doubled the discount with, from the 20, like I, I somehow ended up getting it for like $380 instead of 800. And I was like, this is great. But anyway, so I, for a while we had the same espresso machine, which is the Breville Barista Express, which is, okay. You stop listening for a little bit. It's not, it's not great. It's got, it leaves a lot to be desired, but it is a very good starter machine yeah the coffee grinder it has is, is not good it's actually pretty lousy um the steam like a, a lot about it is leaves a lot to be desired but it's fine it's it's a good introductory machine for people who want to do home espresso so you pointed to this and that like this is gonna be the first evolution or, or uh change to the product since it was introduced into in 2008 and can you describe what's different about this one well so it we'll, we'll put a link to the product page which um but particularly have, that youtube video have, which is that on that's on the product page right it is so yeah when people go to the product page make sure you watch the youtube video which is it's like 10 minutes and it's actually very informative and yeah, the, the lead product designer has a great Australian accent, so that's that's fun too. Yeah. Um, so they they basically they they took the Barista Express and they sort of asked like, what are the kind of pain points or like kind of the more difficult things that you know people may get frustrated with, especially if they're relative you know novices with espresso making, but they they sort of wanted to 
balance making the process easier with not just turning it into like a fully automated thing where like all you do is press a button um which which i really i I really kind of appreciate that that mindset (laughs) or that goal um which you you don't you don't agree well i guess like the 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 uh, well well, I'll, i'll hold most of this but I, d- I just don't buy that line of thinking because have you ever looked at the Breville Oracle Touch? Um, like, I mean, not there's in an, detail, no. There's, a, there's an entire category of espresso machines called super automatics that do just that. And Breville makes one. So I guess like I, I don't buy that line of thinking because well, they make a product that's much more expensive that does do well, literally everything where all you have to do is move the portafilter. And that's it. I don't think they're. I don't think they're saying that a fully automated machine is a bad thing. I think what they're saying is that that's not what everybody wants. And I, I that myself included, like I would never want an espresso machine where all I'm doing is pushing a button. But that's basically what this is. You you, you do two buttons. You well, do two, you do one button and a lever. Yeah. Well, the, the lever the lever the lever seems nice. Um, but yeah. So what what this thing does compared to like the the Breville um express it barista express is it um has this like auto dosing and auto well not auto but like auto dosing and then a kind of more sophisticated tamping system where you you pull this lever and then the machine can kind of sense like whether or not the right amount of coffee has been put in i you feel like you you would do a better job explaining this than 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 i can i mean that's basically true it's basically like the, the way you make coffee on on an espresso machine is you you do a fine grind on your coffee you're aiming to get about 18 grams of coffee for a double shot in your portafilter and then you have to tamp it which means that you compress the ground coffee into something that has less air inside of it so that when water is pressed against it that it evenly extracts the coffee. And in the video in the the uh, uh like the the theory of the case or whatever for this product existing is that many introductory espresso makers or, or consumers had trouble with the tamping process, but I feel like that's this doesn't my 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 biggest complaint is that this doesn't address the problem, which is that tamping is not a hard concept to get. Like you just you just press down on a thing and you just put like like your body weight into it. If you're not grinding the coffee properly, this doesn't fix that. Like, right? Like you, when you like probably watched a couple of YouTube videos on how to make espresso. Like, was tamping the hard part for you? Um, no, not not really. So this doesn't solve anything. Well, like it, 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 so it kind of does in the sense that like, so what I do still struggle with, with my, um, barista express is getting the proper amount of coffee into the porta filter. But there's a very simple solution to that, which is you get, you just, you just get a, you just get a coffee scale or you get any type of kitchen scale and you just shake in. 18 grams of coffee and you just that's it if you put the right amount of beans in you get the right amount of coffee out every time 
like that that part is that that part is so simple to strategize for like it's this part like again and i and i don't dislike it because it's not it doesn't make the product worse i just don't think it actually fixes anything I've never like, thought about like, using my my kitchen scale. That's interesting. Like you, like I mean, again, like not everybody has to like. So I have the don't Google it. I have the Akaya um, Lunar Pro. I think it's called. No, it's called the it's it's the Akaya Lunar twenty twenty one, and it's a, it's a appropriately priced espresso scale that charges through USB C that um, can fit under the spout of a an espresso machine and will allow you to time your shots and also to the 10th of a gram, uh, see what you're, oh, the shot, like you're pulling out and if it's flowing properly and all that kind of stuff. Wait, so send me, send me a link to this thing. Do, 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 if you mention the price, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> get mad. I, and, I, and... I won't. I won't. Um, shut up. Well, okay. That, that actually <laughs> is not as bad as I thought thought it was going to be you thought it was going to be more than that for a scale that doesn't it's great it's it, because the only reason like so there are cheaper scales but the only thing is like this one actually fits with my fancy unnecessarily complicated espresso machine it's you can fit that plus a, a like a espresso three ounce shot glass and the portafilter and it all like fits and i feel like you're paying for the compactness but anyway like that that's if you want to go on the deep end of it but like this puck prep system thing doesn't like because because that's the that's the essence of espresso. If you, if you want to go super deep into the rabbit hole and you want to try to optimize for how it tastes and pre infusion and all that kind of stuff, like puck prep is the thing that is most important, which is that you grind exactly finely enough and you're aiming to get eighteen to nineteen grams in, thirty eight grams of liquid out in about twenty five to thirty seconds, and mastering that process with the specific kind of beans that you have like that's that's the whole that's the like the equation that you're solving for and, and and it's fun and if you do it right like you get really 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 repeatable consistent great tasting espresso but do like you, this doesn't go ahead so do you like how do you how do you get your ground coffee into your porta filter like are you grinding it into some sort of like so my my espresso first? No, my, so my espresso habit, it, I'll, and I think I've, I'll, I'll, I'll record it someday, but like I can make a latte in two and a half minutes and, and, it, and it is cafe quality and it's very good. So all you do, so I, I get my fancy scale, I put what's called a dosing cup on it and then you tear it out so that it's at zero. You shake in 19 grams of beans. I put that into the hopper of my coffee grinder. You grind it. That takes 11 seconds. You then weigh it again, make sure no beans got left over, and then it's going to be exactly 19 grams. Great. You just pop that into the portafilter. You tamp it. You do the thing. And then hopefully you get about 38 grams of coffee out of it. And hopefully that took about 25 to 30 seconds. And you steam some milk and you have a great latte with some bad art if you're me. So, yeah. <laughs> a dosing cup. Okay. Uh, I'll send you... Actually, you know what? That is actually... Something that I think could be a sh uh, an early chef special. I don't think I've ever recommended this. Hold on. Because um, the whole thing with the, the Barista Express is you just grind the coffee directly into the portafilter, which is what I Well, do. yeah, but that's the, that's the part that's so imprecise. Yeah. So let me send you a link to this. That Actually, hey, you solved my chef special thing this week. Um, 
this is a knockoff of a product that used that came from there's this grinder that a lot of people like that I actually don't think is that good. It's called the Niche Zero. And they made the original of this type of dosing cup. But yeah, basically it, and it's and it's perfectly sized to be kind of flipped on top of a portafilter so there is never any coffee mess. There there is there, there will never be any like I don't use that little <laughs> um prior chef special that little like uh uh broom dustpan thing for your kitchen counter hmm well you can um so with the barista express you can you can you know manually have the unit grind out whatever amount of coffee you want it to but you can also program it so that but it's but it's a t- it's time not weight based which is not accurate. Mm, got it. Got it. That's where if you weigh the exact amount of coffee that's going into it, you know what you're getting out unless you have like stuck beans in there. Well, but could but if you if you were using the same beans consistently, wouldn't and and if you, you know, if you basically had it set to the to the you know amount of time it takes to grind you know this 18 grams of beans wouldn't wouldn't that work i don't think so because like you can't control how the beans fall like i don't think it's the texture and the roast of the beans that means Hmm. some might grind faster than others got it because like sometimes you get popcorning which is a thing like the beans are just like inside the hopper are not getting ground properly and yeah, it's, it's very, well, I very think in the weeds. The, this, I guess, thinking about it, this dosing cup setup, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really work with the Barista Express because the only way to get the coffee to come out is is by putting the portafilter into this little slot thing. And the but can't end. you just press the? Isn't that basically essentially like there's just like a button behind it? Couldn't you just hold that button with your finger? Yeah, but then it's you'd be doing some kind of gymnastics so that your hand wasn't <clears throat> like in the way of where the coffee's well, coming out. Well, but my point would be to tell you to go buy a uh, Eureka Mignon Specialita, <laughs> um, which is the shut up. Um, I think my pronunciation was fantastic on that, uh, which is this guy, uh, which is the grinder that I have, and. Uh, He's a champ. Oh my goodness. Stop it. <laughs> okay. None of this stuff connects to the internet whatsoever. And I'm so happy. Actually, the espresso machine does. Cause I have that Wemo switch that only operates on 2.4 gigahertz <laughs> and is frequently not responsive. When I ask, uh, the echo to turn it on when I'm still in bed, <laughs> it, it just like when I'm dead tired and I'm I like bleary eyed and half awake, it says, Hey, do you want to, you should go to the Alexa app to fix the skill. I'm like, I'll just get coffee on the way. That matter matter will uh, fix it. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, the 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 barista impress, like I I I get it, but I kind of don't. Like, I mean, it's just it's neat, but like it's not really solving the 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 main problem that I think many people have is like, and this is the same thing. Like, when I think we both struggle with this was that when you are first starting out. You either have, like, you you don't get the concept of the proper grind, which is the liquid either comes out way, way too fast, or you choke the machine where you're, like, in that little, like, because the Breeze Express has a little pressure gauge, right? Right. Where it's either way, way higher than it should be, and you get, like, two drops of espresso. Like, it's just, it's just not right. 
And it doesn't really, they don't really have a good way of communicating how to fix that. And I, I just don't think they have a way of explaining to people how important, like, the actual grinding itself is. Like, you can do, a, like, a pretty half-assed job of tamping, but if you're doing your grind properly, it doesn't matter that much. So I guess, like, this, this doesn't solve the actual, like, they're, they're, they're suggesting it's one of the biggest problems that novices have, but it's kind of not. I don't know. Like I, like I don't I don't hate it at all, but it's just not that impressive or revolutionary an idea. But is it? But isn't it? Its whole thing that with the, its tamping mechanism, like it can sense sort of like the 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 but that's, pressure that's being fed back to the machine, and then that sort of. But not really, though. Like it 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 shows the pressure of the compressed coffee grounds, but it doesn't. That doesn't speak to whether or not you've ground ground too coarsely that's a mouthful um because if, if you did then the water is still going to find a way through and it's going to it's going you're going to have under extracted sour shots well but i mean the the barista express has you know you can tune the the grind in the in the oh, grinder you, you totally can but the auto tamping thing here isn't going to tell you that you've ground improperly no that's that's true that's true so I guess like it, it it's 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 sort of optimizing one it's optimizing the least important part of of preparing espresso. Oh, it makes a good demo, but I just don't think it's it's doing much. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean again, the Breeze Express is a good machine and it's it's a, like it's an awesome starting point. Mm-hmm. And but it just this one particular enhancement isn't really doing much. And I assume this one costs more probably. Um, yeah, it, it's like 900 full price. And I think the, and the old one was like 699 for the Breeze Express uh, when not on sale. I think, I think, yeah, something like that. And also when you're looking at the, um, it's like, it's, it's got a fancy lever, which is kind of neat. Um, it's got the same terrible single thermo block, slow as hell, uh, steam wand thing. Yeah, I think Cause like, cause, I think the mechanics of it are all the same. Unchanged. Yeah. Because that's the one part that does I is is kind of lousy about the Breeze Express. Like so do you you do you ever do steam like I know you just do straight espresso for yourself usually, but do you ever steam milk? Uh, almost almost every day. Like you still have like the thing is like you have to do the little thing where you, you twist the switch and then you just have to give it like ten seconds to start producing any steam because it does that little thunk thunk thing. At at least, yeah. Yeah, like that, like they they could fix that. Like that would be a more meaningful improvement than this other thing. But like the little um, puck prep thingy, it's got a little smiley face next to like, I mean, I, I, kind, kind that look, that looks, that looks um, not fitting of a almost thousand dollar price. Okay. I, I've actually thought, I thought you were going to say that you liked it. No, it's that, not whimsical. That's it's stupid. I think overall the design of the machine, I mean, it, it looks a lot like a barista express, which is, a, which is a good looking machine. So, you know, from that perspective, like, of course it's going to look good, but yeah, I got to say though, the thing that I don't care for, like I, I, so I appreciate it. doesn't have a big, you know, big ass screen on it. That's great. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't like all the whimsical icons on it. Yeah. Like the, the, um, the smiley face. Uh, yeah. I, I just is not the right fit there. Yeah. Like why? Why isn't you... it like? Why isn't it just a? Like why isn't it a? It's like a check mark. That'd be better. 
Uh, well, because then people would think it, would, it was verified on Twitter. <laughs> nice. Uh, pretty proud of that one. Um, so I sent you one last link. So again, the, the part that again just rings hollow is that they do make a product called the Oracle Touch that is that is a that is a fully it's a super auto. Like again, it will do the tamping for you. It'll do the grind for you. It'll do everything. Literally, all you have to do is move the portafilter from the grinder chamber to the other chamber. And so, like, yes. But but also no, like you you I, and that's one of the things where Apple can't like brings back to the impetus of the show, which is that like Apple can't in selling the high end products they can't make the lesser ones sound like crap. But like it's just eh, the 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 saying hey everybody appreciates the manual parts of it, but then you make a thing that eliminates all the manual parts of it, and if you want a manual approach, the Breeze Express is also not the best thing for that either. Like I don't know. Just maybe, maybe just say that hey, it's an evolution of our entry level product, and our entry level product is damn good for what it costs. No, this again, or- the Brisa Express is a fantastic gateway drug into espresso. This Oracle Touch page says twenty two grams is the right amount well, the, of coffee. That's wrong because it says because because when you go to the um, uh, Breville dot com slash us slash espresso html, it says eighteen to twenty two. I go for nineteen, but um. Yeah, twenty-two is too much. Because mm. if you're gonna go for a triple shot with you, which you would need a larger basket for, that one's gonna be more towards twenty-three. Got it. But always nine bars of pressure. What what, anyway. is, what does nine bars of pressure mean? That's how much you're hoping, uh, how much water pressure you're hoping to impart on the uh, compressed coffee puck. So before you start getting espresso out so, of it, so that's like. I assume that's the middle of the. Basically, like, that's what the gauge the gauge yeah. on the Brisa Express means, but it doesn't actually tell you what it's measuring. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a very Amazon, very Bezos kind of chart. <laughs> there, there are no axes on it. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, what time are we at? One twenty six. Um. Yeah, I think I think. Yeah, let's let's leave this a happy episode. We're actually yeah. taking a couple of weeks off, so and this it's the holidays, so let's <laughs> let people. You can go. You all can go be mad at Apple for very uh, dignified reasons on your own time. Exactly. All right, you got any show specials? Uh, I I do. Um, I, I feel like this is one that you'll appreciate. Um, I'll send you the Amazon link. Um, so, you know, getting into the, the rainy season here. And one of the things that means as a dog owner is when you're out on walks and stuff, their paws get, get, you know, super, um, and you know, what's that great name? It is a good name. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my solution to this in the past has generally involved just having like a bucket you know filling it with water and you know dunking branson's paws in there kind of swishing them around a little bit um sometimes having to do that like a couple of times to actually get all the the mud out um and so um a family member found this thing which is the mud buster and it's i mean there's there's not much to it it's just just like a it's like an oversized thermos looking thing and it's got these you know little kind of rubber brushy things on the inside 
And, you know, it's, it's basically like the perfect size to, to fit, you know, an, an individual dog paw into. And so you fill this thing with water, you, you dunk your dog's paw into there, kind of swish it around a little bit. And, um, it, it works super, super well. So it's been a, it's been a huge improvement from just the, the big, um, bucket of water that I've used in the past. What's the level of dog cooperation slash enthusiasm for it? He he actually doesn't mind it too much, which which makes the process um, pretty easy. Oh, that's pretty good. And he actually he kind of he kind of likes being dried off. So, uh, don't we all? Um, oh, that's pretty cute. Also, but it does feel like if somebody was not paying attention and they were, uh, this could look like a one of those. What's it called? The um, the Yeti kind of cups. Or but then but what's the what's the thing like the blender bottles the thing where like like oh, people yeah. like <laughs> right yeah like where you, you just have like the little ball in there you make your protein shakes so somebody's actually gonna yeah yeah right um that's pretty cute uh do I have anything this week no I don't I like yeah we'll just defer back to that uh dosing cup and also if you haven't bought an Apple TV in the wild. Uh, go buy the Apple TV 4K. 